folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. And just a quick reminder, I'm sure you've heard it in the ad. You're going to hear it in the ad later in the show. But if you sign up for Symbol and you're a first-time user and you deposit $20, then you will get six months free of our written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So that is so worth it to give Symbol a try. Just throwing that out there if you haven't done that yet. Uh, Matthew Collar, Paul Hodawanik is here with me again today, uh, briefly yesterday for a few minutes to talk about the Jeff Gladney news. And now that we've had a day to kind of think about that, uh, we'll get into it a little more. But Paul, I want to start the show with a game for you. Are you ready for a game? I'm ready. I've not been privy to this game. No. I'm ready. There is no prep on this show when it comes (laughs) to games. They have to come out of nowhere. So here's the game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the sixth Now that Sam Darnold plays for Carolina, the sixth in Carolina history quarterback to lead the Carolina Panthers in passing for one single season. So five other quarterbacks in Panthers history have led the team for exactly one season. Now I'm going to give you those quarterbacks and you have to tell me which factoid that I looked up on their Wikipedia or already knew matches which quarterback. Okay. So, so here's the names. Kyle Allen, Jimmy Clausen, Vinny Testaverde, Rodney Pete, and Chris Winkie. So I'm going to give you a factoid about – I'm just going to give you a factoid, mm-hmm. and all of them are true, and you have to tell me which quarterback I am referring to, okay? Okay. All right. Here, we're gonna, here's where we're going to start. Uh, with a St. Paul native, born in St. Paul, this quarterback – won his first start, and it was against the Vikings, and then lost his next 16. Which Carolina Panthers quarterback was that? Okay, you might need to run through that back half of the names again. Because we've, okay, so, we've got Clawson, we've got Vinny Testaverde, we have Chris Winkie, and there are some others. Rodney Pete and Kyle Allen are the two you're, you're missing. So well, which one of those quarterbacks was born in St. Paul, won his first start ever against the Vikings, and then went on to lose 16 straight. <laughs> okay, well, it's not um, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously. I, I don't believe it's Jimmy Clausen. I don't believe it's Kyle Allen. I don't know about where exactly Vinny um, you know, grew up. or And that was a little bit before 
you know, I was a big fan of the NFL, so I don't know if I can say that. Chris Winkie, um, Rodney Pete. I've never heard of Rodney Pete. He seems like someone who <laughs> maybe would have lost 16 straight games. So we're going to go Rodney Pete on this one. This is why you're still intern Paul at heart yeah. because you're just a child who didn't watch Rodney Pete. Rodney Pete would have never can, won. He would have I never won one game it. and then lost 16 in a row. I can tell you that about Rodney Pete, an all-time great journeyman quarterback. This was Chris Winkie. Chris oh, Winkie, drafted by Carolina when he was 100 years old, played the one season for the Panthers, and then uh, that was it for him. But his first game, he beat the Minnesota Vikings and then was a complete disaster after that. So he had played at Florida State, was a baseball player, I think Creighton-Durham Hall here in Minnesota, and uh, it didn't work out. So, all right, here is our next factoid. This quarterback, during his junior season, had a Sports Illustrated feature written on him that dubbed him the kid with the golden arm. Now, I just I just want to clarify that none of these are about Teddy, because mm-hmm. I figured we already know everything yep. about Teddy. So these are the other quarterbacks that led the Panthers for exactly one season in passing yards. So okay. this quarterback, during his junior season in college, had a Sports Illustrated article written about him that dubbed him the kid with the golden arm. Who is this? I'm going to guess Jimmy Clausen. Uh, he had that run in Notre Dame where he was doing pretty good, and that was right when I was really starting to, like, look at the NFL draft and, like, see where some things were. And I remember Jimmy Clausen, and he was one of many, many flameouts that I probably liked. I remember liking Blaine Gabbert. Um, so Jimmy Clausen is of that ilk, and he I'm pretty sure this is correct. You nailed it. Jimmy Clausen is absolutely correct. The kid with the golden arm. And that's why you should never trust draft analysis when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, This quarterback was a former Texas A&M quarterback, and he was once benched for someone named Kyle Postma. And yet still after that season being benched, decided to forego his last year of eligibility to enter the NFL draft and has had a reasonable backup quarterback career. Was so Kyle Allen at Texas A&M? I'm, I'm trying. I think so. I think Kyle Allen was at Texas A&M, that slew of just weird times at quarterback of Texas A&M. It feels like there were there's so many of these guys that I don't really remember being at Texas A&M, but at one point went through there. So I'm going to say Kyle Allen. That is indeed Kyle Allen, benched for someone named Kyle Postma and has still become an NFL starting quarterback. All right, we are down to two. Vinny Testaverde or Rodney Pete, which one of these guys was on the best damn sports show period and lost his job to Jake DeLome? Jake DeLome took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. After this guy lost his job to Jake DeLome. Okay, I still don't know who Rodney Pete is, even though you you, you say I should. <laughs> so we're going to go Vin, Vinny Testaverde on this one. This is great. No. This was Rodney Pete. This is Rodney Pete. But yeah. I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I, my, I, even, I could not pick him out of a lineup. I could, I'm looking him up right now. I know. I should have come up with more um, more hints than quarterbacks so I could use this last one, which was that Vinny Testaverde threw 35 interceptions in one season. That was that was my hint for Vinny Testaverde, and that is true. He actually, you know, Rodney P. originally lost his job to Jake DeLome, but Vinny Testaverde filled in one season and led them in passing, and DeLome took over after that. So technically, like, there's some truth to both. But, um, yes, Vinny Testaverde – did throw 35 picks. Uh, Holly Robinson Pete is Rodney Pete's wife. 
Have you ever heard of her? She's kind of a celebrity. No, no, I'm not familiar with the Pete family. I spelled Pete wrong when I just tried to look it up. <laughs> Every part of this, I. But I'm looking at his stats now. It is, it's like he never really. He started or he played that one season for Carolina, 14 games. Other than that, he always like hovered. Like he mm-hmm. appeared in like five games for like four seasons in a row. Never threw more than like 10 touchdowns, all but like twice. Just, but he was in the league for. 12 years, no, 15 years or something like that. For absolutely ever. Classic backup journeyman quarterback. For absolutely Um, ever. There's lots of good little Rodney Pete things. Like, I mean, the fact that he was like a 500 quarterback but never got his chance, and then when he did with Carolina, he went exactly 500. Um, There's a season in Philadelphia where I think he either – they either bench Cunningham or Cunningham gets hurt and he ends up beating the Detroit Lions in the playoffs in a game that was 58 to 37. That's what Rodney Pete is known for. I'm, so I'm just looking at this now, 10 games. He played 10 games in 1993 and was sacked 34 times in 10 games. Rodney Pete, man, classic journeyman quarterback. So there's where we're at. And uh, here's my guess is that Sam Darnold will add to this list and play exactly one season for Carolina and will go 3-13 and 13 for a inept and terrible Carolina team with management and coaching that knows no idea what they're doing by trading for Sam Darnold, and we will laugh at them. Isn't it great if you're Tom Brady? Like, Does Tom Brady have voodoo magic over every division that he goes into? He leaves the Bills division, and all of a sudden they get a quarterback. Uh, and maybe even Miami, we'll see on Tua. He comes to the NFC South where they have good quarterbacks, and Drew Brees retires, and now Carolina downgrades, I think. And uh, Matt Ryan, we'll see what they decide to do with him. There's rumors out there that they might draft a quarterback. So he could be going up against Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. So uh, congratulations to Tampa Bay on winning the NFC South. So that's not what I wanted to talk about today, though. Though you did a good job, other than not knowing who Rodney Pete was, you did a good job in the game. I did want to talk about the quarterback situations. And answer me this, Paul. Are you buying that there will be five quarterbacks in the top seven picks, as Daniel Jeremiah has mocked on NFL Network? I mean, isn't that what we're led to believe with this Carolina move, that they don't believe that they – could get one of those quarterbacks, and that's why they stayed at eight. That seems to be the logic because everything we heard was Carolina is aggressively pursuing a quarterback, but at the same time, that still means if it was in the first seven picks that they could have gone up to potentially move up for one of those guys unless they believe the first five teams are locked in at quarterback, then it doesn't make sense. And, I mean, yeah, Atlanta maybe could take one, but Cincinnati, they're not taking one. So, there always seemed to be like they could trade up and get one of them. I guess the one they think would be there at the fifth one isn't who they want. Maybe that's Mac Jones. Um, but, I mean, I guess we just have to wait and see what the 49ers are doing. I could see it. I mean, there is no star defensive um, player in this draft worth taking that high necessarily. And we've seen year after year teams are just going to go after the quarterback that they want. So, I, I I can see it happening in the top seven, um, and obviously Daniel Jeremiah knows his stuff. Would I maybe you know take Mac Jones over Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell or some of the other guys that are there? No, but some team might be convinced to do that, and 
and I think it might be a mistake, but at the same time, quarterback's the most important position on the field. Everyone's trying to get a quarterback. If you don't have one, you're likely not going to do much unless you have a great scheme, a solid defense, and really good players around that quarterback. And so everyone's trying to go for it, so I can't really fault someone if they do. But yeah, the top seven, it seems the way it's constructed, unless there are a bunch of trades, it, it doesn't seem like it would the way it sits. So here's my guess is that the Atlanta Falcons want people to believe that they are going to draft Trey Lance because they really want to trade back out of that pick and pick up more talent. I mean, this is the ultimate situation for about five or six different teams to trade back and try to get somebody who is desperate. Maybe it's New England or Washington or Chicago to sell the farm, to move all the way up. And if you are a team like Atlanta that needs a lot of help, um, you would be in a good position to do that and still get whatever you need in the middle of the first round. In Daniel Jeremiah's mock, he's got Jalen Waddle going, I think it's 16. I mean, if you are the Atlanta Falcons and you could drop back into the middle of the first and still end up with one of those top weapons, you are in heaven uh, because then you can ride out Matt Ryan, try to go all in on Matt Ryan's last couple of seasons, and then you can address the quarterback situation later. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do the Jordan Love thing where they take a quarterback despite you know, Matt Ryan's contract really setting up for him to be the quarterback of the Falcons for at least two more years. And you know, I think that you know, there's probably a case on both sides if you're Atlanta to look toward the future, but also, you know, there's also another argument to just say, Hey, look, we only got a couple more years of Ryan. So let's just go for it and see what we can do. But drafting at four, unless you really love Kyle Pitts there, you probably want someone to be convinced that you're going to take a quarterback. And so you say, Hey, Detroit, we're going to take the guy you want, or Hey, whoever. Um, There's another interpretation, by the way, of Carolina deciding to get Sam Darnold. And again, I don't think that you could trust anything Carolina does because they have looked clueless since Matt Rule and that group took over. But uh, there might be another interpretation is that they don't really feel like any of the quarterbacks or the last quarterback that's going to tumble is the guy that they want, whether that's Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones. There's a debate of which one of those guys will be the one who falls, but somebody probably will. If Carolina decided, "Eh, we just don't really think that those guys are better prospects than Sam Darnold, then I could see them doing this as opposed to using the number eight pick to decide to pick, you know, whichever one of those quarterbacks ends up landing there. Yeah, I, it's confusing to me because right when you hear the Carolina news, it makes you think that they know something. But as you kind of go through the teams, you're saying, is Atlanta really going to take a quarterback okay, maybe they're trading out. Who are those options? Okay, maybe the Patriots, um, maybe the Raiders. Like, I know they, John Gruden's never satisfied. The Broncos could move up a couple picks for one of those. Um, It almost feels like if Mac Jones doesn't go three to the 49ers, he's going to be that last quarterback. It's like, if he doesn't go there, he's way, he's he he could end up where the Vikings are picking, potentially, depending on how far teams want to move up. So if I was one of those teams, and I believe that Mac Jones is that guy that we believe the 49ers are throwing a smoke screen at us. They they really want Justin Fields, or they think Trey Lance would fit their system really well, which it seems like he would, and they're just not really telling you. If I'm one of those teams who still likes Mac Jones a little bit, I mean, what's my incentive to trade up to four? Because I know he's either gone at three, or we can probably wait a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know who those teams are trading up if Mac Jones is the quarterback there. Uh, 
But I do know just how important a quarterback is to a team. You get enamored with prospects, and it, it, it's easy to talk yourself into the Alabama guy who put up a ton of numbers, has the pocket presence, and has the accuracy. Uh, there's reasons to talk yourself into Trey Lance, the great athlete, um, all the all the tools that you could ever want from a quarterback there. And Justin Fields, uh, I mean, you've talked about it at length, uh, about his quote-unquote character concerns uh, that we think are total BS. And everything about him says he's going to be a winner. You're overthinking it. Uh, so I see why they would be doing it. But if I'm a team like uh, the Vikings or any of those in the mid, uh, like teens, uh, low teens, uh, just high top 10, I'm like, take all the quarterbacks you want. You mean Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell, all those guys are going to be available for me. We we did not think that was going to happen at all. So it could also be those, some of those teams want some guys to fall. So they're hoping to kind of push up a narrative that all the quarterbacks are going to go. You have to get up there. And they're just hoping some, some non-quarterbacks are going to fall. So I put together a list of the things that would have to happen for a quarterback to be on the board when the Vikings pick. And I mean the top five quarterback, not Kellen Mond, not Kyle Trask. I don't consider those guys to be of the same ilk as the other five prospects. So the Falcons decide that they're just going to use their top pick with whoever the best weapon is on the board. So they say Kyle Pitts is really special. We're just going to take him at number four. I think also Detroit would have to look at their roster and say, we have too many weaknesses. We need to take this first round pick. We need Micah Parsons or we need a corner or, I mean, my gosh, their roster, you could do anything. But a wide receiver there makes a lot of sense too. A Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, whoever ends up at seven. So you Goff is not movable. Goff is not very movable for his two years. You're pretty much locked into that contract for two years. So unless you're going to sit the $33 million man, like he's, he's your quarterback. Right, exactly. So I think that those two things are plausible, that the Falcons could say, we get the best non-quarterback in the entire draft, so we're going to take Pitts or Sewell or you know, Jamar Chase, whoever they feel it is, and Detroit decides they're not going to take quarterback. I think those two things would have to happen. And then also, additionally, you would have to have the Dolphins, Cowboys, Giants, and Chargers all say, we're going to take our pick as opposed to trading it down to New England or Washington. And this is where it's it's possible, and, and, and you put it under that realm of possibility, but this is where it becomes a little bit hard, because the Dolphins, it's hard to see them actually picking at number six with such a valuable pick and so many teams wanting to get there. Um, the Eagles in this category would also have to decide that they weren't going to pick a quarterback if that quarterback fell, and they're going to stick with Jalen Hurts. Uh, the Cowboys, like, why pick at 10? Or the Giants, why pick at 11? The Chargers, why pick at 13? If the Patriots want to move up three or four spots and give you another first-round pick for next year. Or if the Chicago Bears feel very desperate to save their butts, uh, Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy, and then they say, okay, we're going to move up from 20 to 10 with, well, maybe they wouldn't do it with Dallas. But, you know, maybe they would. I don't know. Uh, they're going to move up from 20 to 10 and give up a bunch of stuff like Buffalo got from Kansas city when they traded for Patrick Mahomes. I think it was the, they went from 27 to 10 in order to do that. And they gave up the next year's first and a third that year. I, I mean, it just, that's where it seems like there won't be a quarterback on the board unless one of these five guys, and this is our next little game. One of these five guys is just not as highly touted as we think. So Wilson, I believe is, Lawrence, I believe, is Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones 
Which one of those three do you think the NFL doesn't have as high as we do? I mean, the the people that seem to be getting fed information would make us would lead us to believe that's Justin Fields, and this is smokescreen season, so we can't tell if that's true. But that would seem to be the one. Um, maybe that's because there's seems to be an Ohio State stigma um, in terms of quarterbacks entering the league. There have not been. Um, I mean, Cardale Jones and then um, Dwayne Haskins, and you can go down the list. There's a few of them, and none of them have turned out great. So maybe there's some sort of Ohio State bias. Um, to me, it, it still seems like it would be Mac Jones, uh, and maybe it's one team falling in love with him and some others cooling off on him. Uh, that would still be where I I want to go and it's just so hard to discern any information right now as all the teams are just kind of throwing out anything to, to get what they want. And so I'm going to stick with the guy that doesn't seem to be fitting the modern NFL, the way that it's moving for the quarterback position. He's not very mobile in the pocket or, I mean, he's not very fast. He's not going to create a ton. Uh, And it just, all the other guys fit exactly what, what NFL teams usually want from a quarterback. Trey Lance is that, like physical specimen with the great arm and just all the tools that coaches believe that they can work like, okay, he only had a year, but we can work with him. We can get him going. And then Justin Fields is just, I mean, he, he is super accurate. He fits um, the modern NFL schemes and he's, I mean, barring actual character concerns, like he went out there with like what seemed to be broken ribs and go out there and win a game against Clemson. So I would still say it's Mac Jones because I, I am ignoring a lot of the noise. Hey, everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, Symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange, and check out the Marketplace for Sports. Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping.
So my thing is, are we giving them too much credit? Like, you know, maybe I, I, there are ways, plenty of ways that the NFL has become more modern. I mean, one is no one's going to draft a running back. I don't think in the first round of this draft. I mean, even the one team that did it last year immediately regrets it. Right? Edward Hilaire being picked by Kansas City. Hey, I bet you wish you got like Michael Pittman or something, right? Um, somebody who could actually help you in that Super Bowl or maybe an offensive lineman. But instead, you decide to go with a running back for what reason I still don't understand. So I wouldn't be surprised, even though there's great running back prospects, if they all go in the second, that is a complete change. Najee Harris years ago would have been a first, second, third, fourth overall pick. And instead he's probably late first at absolute best. And you still shouldn't draft him there. You should still wait until at least the second or third round, considering how easy running backs are to find. So the league is passing more often. It's passing on second down more often than it ever has. All, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different things. Like team, teams are just playing defense e- smarter, even though offenses are setting records. Um, you know, I think that they're changing their defenses to try and cover deep shots and stuff after uh, what we saw last year. So it's not like teams are all in the dark ages or anything like that. But there is the element of, well, this is this is the guy who we can project easier when it comes to Mac Jones. We know exactly what he's going to be, and that's what we like about him, rather than Trey Lance, who is much harder to figure out because he's FCS, and he didn't throw a lot of intermediate passes. He didn't play from behind very often. His own team did not have him throwing 30, 40, 50 passes a game. They had him throwing like 19 passes a game. I think it's up between Trey Lance and Justin Fields for the one who drops. But I don't know that. I mean, none of us really know. I also wonder, though, what the end game of reporting that it's going to be Mac Jones is for so many people who are reporting this. And there, there's just there's numerous draft experts who are saying it's going to be Mac Jones at number three who are pretty dialed in. And I think Adam Schefter just said that, you know, that's a very realistic possibility. Like what, what purpose do they have to smoke screen? They've already got the number three pick and they traded everything for it. So I wouldn't be surprised at all there. Now, let, let me ask this question. If it's Trey Lance, say, are you taking him as the Minnesota Vikings with the 14th overall pick? If somehow all those things I named came to fruition and Trey Lance was there at 14? Uh, I would as just like as a fan, as a person who watches this team a lot, as someone for several years has been clamoring for any sort of change and just uh, just a breaking of the status quo. Uh, I think we know what Kirk Cousins can do with this team. We've seen the floor and we've seen, uh, I mean, I don't know if we've seen the absolute ceiling of it, but we've seen pretty close. And so if you give me a, a chance to draft a, a Trey Lance who has all those tools, who is inexperienced, who then can sit and learn from Kirk Cousins while he plays out the rest of his contract, I think it offers you a way out of this, I don't, just this, it, it just seems like this never-ending cycle of we either have to extend Kirk or we have to find his replacement. Uh, if, if we don't extend him, then like, we have to get rid of him, but if we're just going to stay the status quo, we might as well lower his cap hit. Like it's just, there's always like, well, we probably should just extend him then so we can get more money to spend. And then next year you're going to regret extending him. Like we are this off season regretting that they extended him last year. And so if he's there, I, I don't know if they do it. It feels like it's something where they'd trade out and try to accumulate more draft assets to fill up the many holes that they have are like present. Uh, Kirk Cousins isn't 
uh, a hole right now. Like he is a very solid uh, quarterback who for if he was on a rookie deal, it would be great and maybe something could happen. But you get a chance to have a quarterback on a rookie deal with a team that is at least offensively set up to do some nice things. And I don't know. I It's just so tantalizing. How do you not just – how do you not try it? I, I, I would be interested to hear the scenario in which you don't want it. I guess it's – you really believe in Kirk Cousins. But for me, if he's there, it's just too – it's just too enticing. I'd have to. I think the only argument against it would be if they watched Trey Lance and just felt like he's not really a first-round prospect. I mean, we've just assumed that everyone who does mock drafts is right, but our guy Jimmy Clausen, the kid with the golden arm, everyone assumed he was a first-round draft pick too. In fact, Mel Kuyper actually said on ESPN that he would retire if Jimmy Clausen did not become a good NFL quarterback. Well, he has not retired, but Jimmy Clausen became a terrible NFL quarterback. And Todd McShay, I think, had him number one. I mean, we've seen all sorts of quarterbacks in past years not match up with what the mock drafters thought. Nobody had Daniel Jones at the sixth overall pick. In fact, I even go back to when I was in Buffalo, nobody had EJ Manuel as a guy who was the top quarterback off the board, or that that was very uh, rare. It wasn't a, a common take, I think. A lot more people had maybe Mike Glennon and Geno Smith as the top quarterback. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very, very bad draft. But like even Ryan Nassib, some people were talking about him as a top quarterback. I think he went in the fourth or fifth. Like They miss a lot when it comes to this because teams are not letting out a ton of information. And if there are people telling you that they know for sure, they're lying to you. I'm sorry. The history tells you they're lying to you. You just do not know uh, where these are going because if people were leaking stuff – to reporters that was true that was getting out they would try to find those leaks and fire those people i guarantee it so uh, i don't think we really have a great sense for if the league is higher on trey lance and because he didn't play last year i mean are are also coaches and teams going to look at trey lance not playing last year like not finding a way to play I don't know. Like, is that going to be some sort of negative because he didn't play? Um, I I know that there wasn't his choice, so I, I'm very aware of that. But, like, are they going to say, oh, he should have played in the FCS spring or something? Like, I don't know. You just – and he only plays one game, and it was very unimpressive the one game that he played against Arkansas State. I, I mean, he's the one that I think has the best chance to fall because he didn't play for an Alabama. Now, um, whether that – the Vikings would do that or not, I don't know because we don't know how they feel about Trey Lance. But if they had a second, third-round grade on him and didn't love him and you trade back and the Pittsburgh Steelers want to give you a lot to move up or the New Orleans Saints want to give you a lot to move up, it would be really hard to criticize that move. I mean, even though they're in a position to do it, the one that I would criticize if he was there at 14 and they didn't take is Justin Fields. I would not criticize if it was Mac Jones. I would not criticize if it was Trey Lance because there's reason to believe those guys won't become great NFL quarterbacks. But with Justin Fields, he has so much talent and athleticism and arm and statistics, like just and and terrific play on the national stage and all those boxes that you want to check. If you pass on him and he could be the oppo Kirk, like run your offense, but do it with athleticism and with elite arm talent, that's the one where I'd say, okay, like you never know who's going to be a bust, but that guy is a pretty good bet to at least be decent 
and I would criticize that one. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like everyone's trying to put stuff out there about Justin Fields because they want him. And maybe I'm maybe I'm completely wrong, but he came into the season as the number two prospect, and I just can't figure out why he would have dropped completely off of the radar. Yeah, and it's it's been a little, a little weird. We've heard all this Mac Jones hype. We've heard all this, you know, uh, Justin Fields slander, but we haven't heard much just about Trey Lance. It seems things are kind of pretty quiet on that front, and that just makes me feel like kind of right where he's going and right where people kind of expect him to go, maybe that he was a destination for Carolina. People loved him there. Probably wouldn't make sense. Would it make sense for Denver, uh, potentially? It just it feels like if he was going to slip, maybe we would know a little bit more about it uh, than we do right now, which is why I would push back. And, yeah, I think I wouldn't criticize if the Vikings uh, didn't take Mac Jones or something or potentially even Trey Lance. I would still do it. I would understand if they traded out and if they accumulated assets to go and come, fall back. But if they're just going to go – take Jalen Phillips anyways, and Trey Lance is on the board, then that's where I would be a little upset because you can either recuperate a ton of value from someone else looking to trade, or you can take a swing on the most important position in football. And it's not like, uh, you know, the defensive end you take is going to be a guaranteed uh, star. Jalen Phillips, the, the name that's hot right now for the Vikings, has some serious concussion issues that could really derail um like his career, if those continue to happen, like it's not like you've got Joey Bosa right there ready to take. And so you just have this, well, we had to take this guy. Like we couldn't, like he's just a a, a can't miss talent. And so if you have the opportunity to draft a guy who could change the course of the team's direction and you just don't do it, I, it, it, it would strike me just, and are you going to be this high for the next couple of years? Is Kirk, this seems to be kind of the season that, from hell, the way the def- defense played uh, and the way the offensive line sh- like worked out, it feels like you know you can be right around eight and eight the next few years. Are you going to get another chance? And then you're just stuck in this in this cycle. So if they didn't trade out, I would probably be upset. But if they traded out, got a second round pick back, got another first round pick for another year back, then yeah, I can't fault it if they don't love him. But if right. they just stand pat, then that's where I would get upset. Because if they are ultimately planning on moving on from Kirk Cousins, then you still have another year to figure that out. You still have another draft before the end of his contract, and you could let his contract play out. It feels like it was built into his deal to have movement there before 2022, but it's not against the law to let that thing play out and maybe try to, I don't know if they can do this or not, but like move money around a little bit to lower the cap hit. I'm not sure if it's set up that way or not, but even with the $45 million cap hit, you could work around it and you could play it out and you could draft somebody instead and go that way. If the guy that you like isn't there. And so instead you decide to trade down, but you make a good point about how like anybody can be a bust at these positions. If you draft, you know, whoever, if you draft Rayshon Slater, like he hasn't played in a year either. And he has this great game against Chase Young uh, when he was in college in 2019, but that, you know, Garrett Bradbury had the great game against Dexter Lawrence and everybody fell all over themselves over one great college game. But ultimately he's turned out to be just a guy in the NFL And so I think that there's this thing with Vikings fans where they're worried very much about the bad outcome is going to be really bad. If it's Christian Ponder, it makes you never want to watch football again. And I totally get that. Uh, But with Kirk Cousins and how much he costs, you kind of know where you can get to. 
And you brought up something that, that kind of piqued my interest when you said, like, have we seen the peak of Kirk Cousins? Well, I mean, he's set career highs the last couple of years in, you know, a lot of the, whether it's PFF grades or whether it's traditional statistics. My question would be, so like that 2019 is his best season. I, you know, or at least their offensive production is at its best. Um, quarterback rating was a little higher this year, but I think some of that is the whole league's quarterback ratings were higher. His highest uh, ranking by PFF was 2019. Most wins was 2019. And, um, you know, so the highest rating for the uh, offense as a whole. Is this situation, is this team right now better than the 2019 team that won 10 games, that had an okay season and got to the sixth seed? I have a really tough time saying the answer is yes right now, that, th- that this team is somehow better than what they had in 2019. Yeah, I think we don't know what the defense looks like. The last time we saw we saw this defense, they were getting lit up week after week, but there's no question that 2019 defense was better with who they had out there. Anthony Harris was playing at a really good level. Obviously, you still had Everson Griffin. You still... I mean, your linebackers were, or Anthony Barr was younger and playing better. Harrison Smith was younger. You had Mackenzie Alexander. You had Trey Waynes. You had a, on the decline, Xavier Rhodes. But, I mean, and then you had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And Justin Jefferson is a pretty good, you know, uh, replacement for that. But is he to the level of Stephon Diggs? I don't know. At, At best, I feel like you could say this team is as good. But I don't see a scenario where right now you can say that they're better. Yeah, you you would say it's probably a wash between Diggs and, and Justin Jefferson. Um, the offensive line was also bad, but they had Riley Reef, so we were sure what they had at left tackle. Right now, we don't know what they have at left tackle. They had a Kyle Rudolph in 2019 who caught a bunch of touchdowns for them, and Irv Smith was just a rookie. Now your number two tight end is Tyler Conklin, your number three wide receiver. Actually, that year, B.C. Johnson played pretty well. On the offensive side, there's a lot of similarities, but Delvin Cook played great the last two years. He ran every single play last year. I mean, he's, you know, on a pace over 16 games, had he played 16 games, would have set the record for touches. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say for sure that he's going to be as good next year as he was this year. But on the defensive side specifically, not having Everson Griffin, not having the 2019 version of Anthony Harris, which was the league leader in interceptions. We don't know if these corners will play as well as Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander did that season. And actually Mike Hughes was serviceable that year outside of one bad night in Dallas. But at the, at the best though, you have to kind of talk me into it, like how this team right now would be better. So it's, you're probably thinking about similar results. And if that's the case, that it's similar results, it could be a good season. It could be a playoff season. And then you never know what happens in the playoffs, but it wouldn't be a great case for you can't absolutely cannot draft a quarterback to think about the future and think about your cap and think about the, the athletic element of it and where the league is going like 10, 10 wins this year would not convince me, Oh, you have to stay with Kirk cousins. And as you mentioned, if Kirk cousins was the same cost as Mac Jones, then you could build this team up around him. But I think we saw in free agency how you really can't, how one luxury pickup in Patrick Peterson all of a sudden means, well, you're kind of out on a bunch of other things then. 
And um, that's that's where it, it kind of brings it into focus, I, I think, the argument for if they're there at 14, despite all the other needs with one of these quarterbacks, you really have to consider it. Um, anyway, I wanted to mention your piece, by the way, on Rashad Bateman and Benjamin St. Juice um, about uh, you wrote today at the at the website just about how the Vikings should consider those guys. I've been very high on the idea of the Vikings thinking about Rashad Bateman. You're a little closer to the Gophers uh, because you are a Gopher. So tell me the argument for the Vikings looking at Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I covered Rashad Bateman the last two and a half years. Um, Basically, since he got here, that was when I started. Uh, So I've watched his maturation. I think I wrote the the, probably the first article like, okay, uh, this guy – could be better than Tyler Johnson, um, probably just because the strib and the Pioneer Press were saving it for the end of the year when more people were ready to read it. Uh, but no, I think he, he he would work perfectly in in this offense. He seems pretty, um, you know, like scheme agnostic. Like he could be anywhere and he could do really well. Um, and it just pushes you. It pushes the Vikings if they made the selection. It would mean they're investing in a different type of offensive philosophy or open to a different type of offensive philosophy that is more focused on three wide receivers and is more focused on passing, which I think is important. And so it being Rashad Bateman, I don't think is as important as them getting a talented third wide receiver, something that you have been on for a long time. But in terms of what they get in Rashad Bateman, uh, he, he, he can work on the outside. He can work in the slot. He, he ran a four three nine, which I think probably is more like mid four fours if he was at the combine. And I don't know, he doesn't do anything extremely, extremely well, like Chris Trapazzo said on the podcast. He's kind of the jack of all trades, master of none, but he runs good routes, he's physical, he he does everything you want, he is a great guy to be around. Uh, you don't have to worry about any sort of quote unquote character concerns. And he just lit up any defense that he was and he found open holes. So, yes, I think that would work really, 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 really well Nice to or next to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. But it was – my thought process was Bateman is kind of the conduit to talk about the third wide receiver and the need for the Vikings to address it or just the possibility of them addressing it and what that would look like. And so whether it's Bateman there or if one of those wide receivers fell, like Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith and one of them were somehow there – You'd really have to consider it. Uh, I think Bateman is some someone you could get a little bit further back if you wanted to make that trade. Maybe you are swapping with the Steelers or something like that and still potentially getting him and or the Colts or anything like that. Um, so some of those teams that are looking to move up potentially. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it would be a great addition. And I, I think just investing something in the third wide receiver would be awesome. And the fact that it could be a first-round pick – that just creates so many opportunities for this offense and so many cool things that could happen on the offense. And I thought it definitely had to be something that we we talked about. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family 
play arcade-style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I think, um, first of all, with Bateman, there's that possibility that you can trade back and he will still be there, which is exciting if you're talking about best player available and that's really your strategy, which it rarely is for the Vikings, but that could be the case if they were to move back and try to get a second round pick and draft in the twenties and still get somebody who made an impact. But the, the argument that I, that I'm not a fan of is when people say, sorry, Mike Zimmer will just not allow them to have a number three wide receiver. I I get where you're coming from with that, but I also think that they played so much too tight end because they had two tight ends. It's not like this offense just falls apart if you add a three wide receiver set. And the other thing too is that like even Chad Beebe and BC Johnson, if you add up their snaps from last season, they played kind of a lot. I mean, not like all the time, but I I can get this. I'll look this up as I'm talking here. Like this is a position that ends up on the field quite a bit. And if you are of a mind that you are going to take the best player available, if that ends up being Rashad Bateman, I think they'd be making a huge mistake not to take Rashad Bateman and make an impact on the offense. And I also think too, that everyone is going to want an offensive lineman here But if you're talking about wanting to also have a good season next year, then a wide receiver three is probably going to do a lot more for you. Let me see here with uh, the targets between BC Johnson and Chad Beebe. So they ended up with 48 targets and 34 catches. So let's say that Rashad Bateman ends up being drafted in the first round by the Vikings, plays a little more than that. So instead of around 50, it's around 75 targets. And instead of 34, it's around 50, you know, 50 catches and he can actually go down the field and he can actually get open on third down and he can actually be a threat for them. Like all these things I think have to be considered. I, I don't think we should just throw it in the garbage as a discussion just because they have run too tight end. Like they need one more weapon here unless they're considering Tyler Conklin to be that guy. 
which would be a mistake, which would be a mistake. There's two ways to look at it. There is the third wide receiver hasn't been a big part of this offense because they haven't had a capable third wide receiver. So Mike Zimmer has said, okay, we're going to do two tight ends. We're going to do two wide receivers and we're not going to do it. The other way to look at it is they've never prioritized it. And that's why the people that have ended up there have ended up there. And so Mike Zimmer is going to run the two wide receiver set. And that is less about the player and more about their scheme. And because their scheme doesn't really prioritize it, they haven't prioritized it in going out and getting guys. So the argument can go both ways. I think if just inserting Rashad Bateman onto this team, that would, it would mean that they want to do that more. They are invested in bumping up those targets to the numbers that you talked about. So if they drafted a wide receiver, that would be the storyline. It would be, okay, he's, that person is going to take Chad Beebe and BC Johnson's targets. He's going to take probably some of Kyle Rudolph's targets, and hopefully they're going to bump it up even more. And that just, it doesn't mean that the offense suddenly becomes Kansas City and they're passing on every down. It just means that they make minute changes, and that's what would happen if they invest the type of capital that a first-round pick is on a wide receiver. And so the it's just it's this cat and mouse of whether you think the lack of a third wide receiver is because they just haven't had someone or if it's, it's because that they just don't care about it. Um, but if they drafted Rashad Bateman, it would be a clear indication that, yes, we do care about it. And I think it has to go along with a trade down to pick up whatever you're also going to need if you decided that, look, Jalen Phillips is too much of a risk, quitty pay, we don't really believe he can develop the pass rush moves. Like if you were looking at some of the other uh, pass rushers that would be available in the second round or the offensive linemen that were available in the second round and thinking that they're close, that would allow you to do something like getting Rashad Bateman. But I just I think that when you look at the actual targets – and you think, oh, well, they never they never use that position. But then, like you said, if you're taking some of Kyle Rudolph's there and then adding them with B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe, you got very, very little out of those guys actually being on the field quite a bit because they're out there on third downs. So if you even got 30, 40 catches, but they were way more effective catches out of Rashad Bateman, that would be a huge boost. The other thing to keep in mind, too, Adam Thielen next year – his cap hit goes up to 16 million the year after it's over 17 million and they can cut him with a very small dead cap after next year. Now I'm not saying that the demise of Adam Thielen is upon us. We may see a Larry Fitzgerald type of career here from Thielen where he plays his whole career in Minnesota. But you know, I also think it's something where you have to look down the road and say like, this guy is getting to be in his thirties and you know, it might need a little more support from, from another wide receiver. So like, I, sorry, I know, I know we've been over the wide receiver three train thing. I'm not going to get off it. I'm not going to stop being the conductor. It's just when it's Bateman and it's another guy in your backyard, when you just missed on two guys in your backyard last year, you have to wonder like, will you amend that mistake from last year? Um, Okay. So Ben. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't, I, the reason that they, or the fact that they missed on Antoine Winfield and Tyler Johnson shouldn't be a reason just to go back to it. Like, oh, we missed on it and we we can't have that mistake again. Um, maybe it does creep into the mind, but yeah, I think notwithstanding the news that we just learned about Jeff Gladney, like when I started writing this, it was still, you would easily take Antoine Winfield over Jeff Gladney bar, mm-hmm. like taking away anything that happened off the field. You'd easily take that uh, Tyler Johnson was picked like 15 picks before KJ Osborne. Uh, I think 
Vikings fans would make that move as well. And so, yeah, I, I continue with what you were going to say. Well, I just was going to bring up Benjamin St. Juice and ask you if he should be on their radar now in the middle rounds with the situation with Jeff Gladney. I don't think that corner suddenly becomes a first round pick because they are still pretty set there. Uh, at the same time, maybe a little more depth would be considered. Like if there is a Cameron Dantzler type prospect that ends up in the third and maybe Benjamin St. Juice is that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think the best draft picks are when you're not reaching for a hole that you have immediately. You're looking at what are my holes two years down the line? What are, I I know teams can't always do that because they have immediate holes that they have to fill. So it's easier said than done that, okay, we have, we're thinking about Adam Thielen in two years. Maybe we cut him. So maybe we need to invest in a first round pick. Like that sounds all well and good when, but then you look over at the guard position and like we're playing guard. So it's, it's hard to look at the future and then also try to be, you know, proactive, but that's what I try to be. And if we're looking at cornerback, that seems like the exact spot that you want to look at because you look at the moves that they made this offseason, and yeah, it looks pretty solid for next year. You have Patrick Peterson. He's on a one-year deal. Uh, you have Mackenzie Alexander, he, but he's only on a one-year deal. You have Mike Hughes, who is probably gone after this year. You have Xavier Woods, another one-year deal. So yeah, Maybe one or two of those guys comes back if they have a good season, but it's not like you have much of a long-term future at all there. And so third and fourth round picks are, you're hoping that they can come in and contribute, but if you are relying on those third and fourth round picks like they were last year to come in and contribute, we saw what happened there. So I think Benjamin St. Juice should be on their radar. I think cornerback should be on their radar. I think it probably should have been on the radar pre this Jeff Gladney news. We, it's only year one. We've only seen year one of Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. We talked about it a lot at the beginning of the season that you really don't know what you have in a cornerback after one season. So like, we don't know, even if Jeff Gladney didn't have this issue, we don't know if he would have turned out to be good. And I still would have been okay with them taking a cornerback. Now with the Jeff Gladney news, I think I would be even more okay with them taking one. St. Juice fits the profile of a guy that probably wouldn't have to start right away. He's got the physical intangibles that Mike Zimmer, you're hoping, can coach up the cornerback guy. He would seem to like um, someone who, who has all those skill sets, and if he just needs a little bit more refinement, what other coach are you trying to send him to than Mike Zimmer? So I think cornerback should be on the radar. I'm sure St. Just is one of many. He had a great senior bowl. It seems like a guy that you'd want to look at, and cornerback, I think, especially after this newest news, is something you have to look at. I agree with all that. So let me just tack on one more point about Rashad Bateman. I just like him a lot. And and that, and that is, I was talking with Jim Monas for an article who was a former scout for the saints and the Eagles. And he was the bills player personnel director. And uh, if you haven't seen the article, purpleinsider.substack.com. But uh, I talked to him for this article about like, what if there was no pressure um, to be fired and you could just make decisions that you thought were the best for the long term to win. And one of the things he said was, I would just draft great players and I wouldn't worry about coaches and systems and schemes that will make it work with great players. And when I look at a lot of the other players who are in the first round, what their question marks are, their possibilities of hitting their ceiling, what they could mean to you if they succeed, that's where that's where I get kind of stuck up on uh, Rashad Bateman because there's so much attention for these other wide receivers who are going to get taken high that I feel like he's gone under the radar and having watched 
not every single game, but a lot of Rashad Bateman's games, as you have as well. I just feel like he's got a very good possibility of being a maybe not a Julio Jones superstar level, but a very, very, very good NFL wide receiver. And how valuable is that versus some of the other guys that have questions? So that's where I kind of have gotten stuck on this idea of liking Rashad Bateman, though I will acknowledge, and you will as well, that the chances are probably not super high that they end up going with it. So, okay, well, the next time you and I talk, Paul, will be for the Friday Roundtable. Arif Hassan is going to join us for Friday Roundtable. Uh, also, Lawrence Holmes from 670 to Score. I brought him on specifically to mock the uh, Chicago Bears and their quarterback decisions because now they look even worse that Jimmy G and Teddy Bridgewater are available for trade, and the, <laughs> they already decided on Andy Dalton. So uh, thanks for your time, Paul, and I will talk to you on Thursday when we record the Friday Roundtable. Thanks, man.